I read an article this week entitled, A Tiger Bites Its Tail. Um, it's about this F-11 uh, Tiger, which was notorious uh, for being the first jet aircraft to shoot itself down. Uh, <laughs> on September 11th, back in 1956, during a test firing of its uh, 20 millimeter cannons, pilot Tom Artridge fired two bursts midway through a shallow dive. And as the velocity and trajectory of the cannon's uh, rounds decayed, they became ultimately crossed paths with the Tiger as it continued its descent, disabling it and forcing Artridge to crash the plane. Uh, the pilot survived, uh, but the plane was destroyed. So the problem, he was traveling too fast. You guys understand that? He was going too fast. He had blown uh, or flown below the trajectory of the bullets. 11 second seconds later, he flew through them as uh, their flight paths met. So are you traveling too fast in life? Are you traveling too fast? If you're in a place where you don't have time to pray, you too are traveling too fast. If you're neglecting prayer, you're probably traveling too fast to hear God's voice. You're probably traveling too fast to know whether you are in the center of his will. So you better slow down before, like the jet, you'll end up shooting yourself down. So last week we got to see Jesus' last words. Now we have his last sighting. And I'd encourage you guys, if you missed the teaching last week, go online, uh, take that in. Very important to understand the empowering of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. I had a lot of good conversation with some of you this week, uh, just in light of the study, things God's stirring in your heart to do. Um, and let me tell you, if we're not doing it with God, then what's the point, right? Amen. So uh, now we're going to shift gears this morning to... Uh, uh, not his last words, but his last sighting. So a simple outline. One of the questions I want us to consider this morning, are we better off without Jesus? Well, of course not. And the second thing, <laughs> it'll make sense when we get into this passage. And the second thing is, we're going to look at really history's most powerful prayer meeting ever, or what I would say was probably the most powerful prayer meeting of all time. That's what's set before us here as we uh, finish up chapter one of Acts, Lord willing, this morning. So the question, are we better off without Jesus? Let's take a look. We're going to pick it up in verse nine this morning. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them with white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up into heaven will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Would that have been cool to partake in, to see? Absolutely. But we get to see him come back, hopefully. I don't know. I'd love to see the Lord return. But if I die and go home first too, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> so <laughs> this event here that we have set before us is called the Ascension, right? Officially entered Jesus's incarnation, his first coming to planet Earth. 
And it allowed eyewitnesses to both see the risen Christ on earth and victorious, right? He had overcome sin, hell, and death, risen Lord, and the eternal Christ returning to heaven to minister at the right hand of the Father. So there's a contrast, isn't there, in how Jesus came. He came humbling himself in his move from heaven to earth, and now he leaves exalted and lifted up. He will not appear in person to the world again until his second coming. Not to be, um, you know, um, cloud formations, right? There's Jesus. He, he, he's returned. Uh, that got me looking a little more, and Jesus actually did come back, and he appeared in a, a frying pan. And then the one that I enjoyed the most was a tortilla. <laughs> There's Jesus. See, he has appeared. No, he's not going to appear again until the second coming of Christ, which the Bible talks about eight times more than his first coming. The Bible is full of prophecy. And as we study the scriptures, you guys are going to see that. So the question is, are we better off without Jesus? Well, Jesus said, yeah, we are. In Je or, uh, John 16, he said, It is to your advantage that I go away. This is a good thing. And why? Because he said, if I don't go away, then the helper can't come. And who's the helper that he's speaking of? Holy the Holy Spirit. Okay, He has come for a purpose. So his Holy Spirit, the comforter. So instead of Jesus being limited to his earthly body in one location at one time, now the Spirit would indwell every believer, equipping them for the task to evangelize the world. So the immediate presence of the third person of the Trinity was going to be more helpful than the immediate presence of the second person of the Trinity. So they would have access to only, or the only power source capable of binding and loosing those in spiritual darkness. So now Jesus expanded his earthly ministry from the geographically limited earthly dimensions to really the universal heavenly dimensions. And we're told here, a cloud received him up. Okay, a cloud received him up. What was that cloud like? You guys ever think about that? I've chewed on it. And I even threw out the idea that, hey, Jesus is going to return in a cloud. We'll read in Hebrews about a cloud of witnesses. You know, maybe it's all the saints. Maybe that's the cloud. I don't think so. I think I've mentioned that to you guys. I don't think that anymore. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I looked up and I studied through Okay, the clouds that would express the glory of God in Scripture. And you guys remember in Exodus 13, verse 21, there was a pillar of cloud. Okay, the glory, it was a reference to that Shekinah glory of God, the cloud of God's glory. And it is visible manifestation of God's uh, radiant glory right? The glory of God dwelt within the temple in the holy of holy place. Man, high priests could only go in once a year, and sometimes the glory of God was so thick in there, they would, they would go in, and if they hadn't purified themselves correctly, they would drop dead just in the glory of God. So therefore, we're told here, the manner of Jesus' departure, it wasn't at all ordinary. 
This had to be phenomenal for these guys to partake in and be able to see the Lord caught up in glory. It goes beyond Enoch being taken to heaven or the departure of Elijah going up in a chariot of fire. This had to be so cool and so awesome. And it was the moment of remarkable splendor. You see, he goes to the Father. He sits at the right hand. He takes a seat of cosmic authority, and he enjoys his coronation and confirmation as the king of kings. What a day in history, huh? So they started into, or they stared here into the clouds so long that two angels actually had to come <laughs> and say, time to move on, guys. Okay. He's, he's gone. <laughs> so this brought the disciples back to their senses, and they went to Jerusalem where they joined history's most powerful prayer meeting ever. Last week, we read of the promise of power, right? In verse 8. This week, we find the path of prayer. Regarding power, I love what A.C. Dixon used to say. He was an old Baptist preacher. Listen to this. I love it. When we rely on organization, we get what organization can do. When we rely on education, we get what education can do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. But when we rely on the Holy Spirit, we get what God can do. Regarding the path, the path to the power of prayer, this is the cry for God's power through prayer. I love that, guys. So let me tell you what. Church can do things pretty well in and of itself. We have some great speakers out there, orators. We have phenomenal programs. But let me tell you what, the Holy Spirit isn't, isn't in it. What's the point? Amen? Amen. So, moving on here to history's most powerful prayer meeting. Let's pick it up in verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120 and said, men and brethren, the scriptures, or the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in the ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. Yes, boys and girls, this is a Bible story. <laughs> Verse 19, and it came or it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language, Al-Kaldama, that is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. 
and let another take his office. Therefore, these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, being from the or beginning from the baptism of John to the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they purposed two, Joseph called Barnabas, whose surname was Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and they said, You, o Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which of these two men you have chosen to take part in this ministry of the apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and a lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So what we gather from this, the first church was a praying church. Do you guys catch that? They were, they were a people of prayer. So prayer meetings, pretty important. Now, the same upper room, we're not sure. We don't know what this upper room is. We just know they've gathered together to pray. And I want you guys to also note um, who was there. There was 120 altogether. Pretty cool prayer meeting, isn't it? 120 people. Um, we see there in verse 15. We also know during the 10 days that they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. And we know that from Luke chapter 24, verse 53. So 10 days. Where do we get this 10 days from? Well, from Pentecost, there's been 50 days okay, from the resurrection. Minus the 40 days that Jesus walked on the earth. That leaves us... 10 days. So that's how we know it's 10. Uh, they are there praying and waiting. So this combination of praise and worship, sincere prayer and supplication is um, a beautiful formula really for drawing near to God, opening ourselves to the fullness of his Holy Spirit and hearing the voice of the Father. And not only do the disciples uh, persist in this 10 days in obedience, waiting there, but they were also unified. And there's something that's beautiful when that takes place. Okay, just a couple months ago, I got away with about 30 other pastors from all over the state of Wisconsin, and we had very few that were from the same denominational background. These were guys who were just saying, hey, we're willing to take four days away from the business of ministry, life, family, everything that's going on to come together and just seek the Lord. I've been to about a dozen of these through the years, and I love going because the unity of heart, it is there. Everything is Christ-centered, and we are seeking God, and God shows up every single time, and he speaks. There's a clarity in there. And I encourage you guys, get together with others pray okay well do i need to call a special prayer meeting maybe that's okay do you guys know that you don't have to wait for a prayer meeting to have a prayer meeting i don't know how many times through the years at freedom fellowship things just come up and people hey tonight at church we're gonna pray come if you can awesome <laughs> just do it if you have big decisions in life get together and pray remember about 20 years ago i was in rome second time i'd been there I'm backpacking through Europe. I have a heart that wants to stay on the mission field to go and to serve. And I'm feeling the Lord calling me back home. Well, this is a pretty big decision. What do you want, God? I feel you leading this one way, 
but I have a heart to do this. I see a need to do this, but you're asking me to do something that just doesn't seem right. You, you've prepared me. You've given me a heart for missions. Well, I'm staying with a bunch of missionaries in Rome who have a heart for missions. And I asked them, can we just pray? I have this set before me. Can we just pray? And in the prayer meeting, God very clearly revealed what his will was and brought clarity to it. Because left to myself, I was super confused about what to do, where to go. And I encourage you guys in life, when you have big decisions to make, get together with others and pray. These guys got together for 10 days, sought the Lord, and prayed together. And I love it. Do you guys look in verse 14? They were one accord. Now, I personally like Toyotas, but they were here. <laughs> Honda has a vehicle, the Accord. Okay, sorry. Um, the NASB says of one mind, or the NIV would put it, they were all joined together. So you guys get the point here. Okay. They had come together. There was a unity in coming together. And there's a sweetness when that happens, isn't there? Okay, You guys, I know you've been in prayer meetings where you come and it just feels off. You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, we're praying and you know, Joe is over here praying for Uncle Bob's toe. And what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not that we shouldn't pray for each other's toes, but there's sometimes when we gather together where we're seeking the Lord, and isn't it beautiful when we're just in the same vein? You guys know what I'm talking about? There's just a unity, and yeah, we sense the Spirit asking us to pray into this, and that's when it's good. And a lot of times we don't expect that. Maybe we've gathered to pray about something specifically, and the Lord kind of changes gears a little bit. No, I want you guys over here and start praying into this and that's when it's beautiful and if we're willing to come together humble ourselves and really pray god does beautiful things and i love the uniqueness of this word here of being one accord or one mind it's uh 10 of the 12 new testament references are actually in the book of acts it helps us understand the uniqueness of christian community there should be a depth of unity that's sensed within the church that we don't get anywhere else um, the word is uh, omathamadan. Uh, it's a compound of two words, which means to rush along or to be in unison, okay, putting those together. Uh, the Septuagint put it to uh, Acts, or not Acts, Exodus chapter 18, verse, or 19, sorry, Exodus 19, verse 8. This is the scripture. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken to us, we will do so the septuagint used it as being of one mind they answered together we're all on the same page together the lord has spoken <laughs> yes we get it and that's what this word is speaking into so it's an image almost musical if you think about it a number of notes are sounded which while different are harmonizing in pitch and in tone, and I love those prayer meetings. I love getting off and just praying with like-minded people. It is one of the sweetest places. Like this morning, we had had prayer, and I say it almost every morning as we start off prayer, just thanking God for his throne of grace, that it's a sweet place to be, and it is. Being before the throne of God, not just by yourself, but with brothers and sisters, it is so sweet. And some of you guys have never been to a prayer meeting. You need to go. Okay, We're not called to go it alone, 
to be lone rangers in our Christian walks. We need each other. We need to be praying for each other. So the instruments of great concert under the direction of the concert master, so the Holy Spirit, he blends together lives of members of the body of Christ, his church. Beautiful. So a question for us this morning. How important then is this for our prayer meetings? Well, the Spirit desires a community of believers united in heart and mind in order to have power in prayer. Okay. Lord does things in that. So, is corporate prayer more effective than solitary prayer? Is that a good question? I think it's a question we should ask. Absolutely. Um, I sure, it seems that way, doesn't it? When we read the scriptures, it just seems that way. I believe the answer is in regards to the, the principle of agreement. Okay, I think that's where the power is, right? Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So there is an importance there of agreement coming together. So the prayer of one person alone is certainly not wasted, but the prayer of two in agreement is better. And presume, you can presume here that 120 disciples getting together in this upper room and praying, that had to be pretty awesome. Okay, even better yet. So what about your church? What about your life? Do you make plans on your own and then offer up quick prayers asking God to bless it? I'd encourage you guys to join prayer meetings. Okay. Every Sunday morning, 45 minutes before service, 8.45, we gather together in the upper room and we pray. And it's good. I enjoy it. Like, honestly, I, I, I love preaching. Okay? But so far this morning, I enjoyed our prayer time more than anything that I've done this morning so far. And I even got Starbucks coffee super early. That was pretty good. You know? But <laughs> coming here and being able to pray with brothers and sisters, that was good this morning. Um, James mentioned before, we have our men's prayer, okay? First Saturday of the month, 8 o'clock. Gals, third Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Uh, show up. Uh, but just make a point. Um, and there's some cool things that we can pull from here. Uh, did you guys catch that it said this prayer meeting? It was with women. It was interesting. Here's the resurrection of Christ, right? Okay? God is establishing his church, and there's these walls already coming down. Okay, Jewish man would never pray with a Jewish woman. What has God done already? It is beautiful what he's doing here. And his brothers are there too. You guys remember about his brothers? They didn't believe that he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. We grew up with this Jesus, this older brother, Mr. Perfect. You know? <laughs> they didn't believe until he rose from the dead. And they're here now, believers. James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, Mark 6.3. Um, it's so cool. Um, yeah, I'm going to go there. Um, <laughs> we're told that Mary was there also, right? Mary, the mother of Jesus, praying. And um, yeah. She received the Holy Spirit. She spoke in tongues there. Pretty cool 
the mother of Jesus. Um, I told you guys before that I was in Rome. Uh, before we talk about Rome, there's a church in the Middle East that they believe uh, is where Mary had died. It's called the Church of Mary. Um, the, the Catholic Church uh, has chained it and don't allow people to go any longer because they now teach that Mary ascended she never actually died, but she ascended also like Jesus did uh, into heaven. And in Rome, they have another church of Mary. And supposedly, you know, there um, you actually can go in a beautiful church. And Catholics have Jesus on a cross still. Every time you go in, it's a continual sacrifice. We don't see that taught in scripture anyway. We know Christ is risen. He's not on a cross anymore. Um, but if you walk around the back of that cross, you see Mary also crucified, crucified on the back side of it. Um, this is a part of their theology, and it's blasphemy. That's what it is. And it's something that I know Hail Marys here in Green Bay are super popular at the moment. Um, <laughs> but Mary, guys, praying to Mary is not going to do anything. You know? And I love the scriptures. I love what the scriptures teach. And we know um, even Mary's last words was what? Mary, we need help, right? We need help. Tell us what to do, Mary. What did she do immediately? You do what Jesus says. All the attention right to Jesus. Mary was a godly woman. She got it. She even cried out, to God, her Savior. She understood who Jesus was. She knew that she needed salvation herself. Okay, she is not co-redemptress of the world. Okay, praying to her is not going to do anything. And that's hard to hear for some people, but that's the truth. And if Mary was able to speak, if she was here this morning, she would say the exact same thing she did in John chapter 2. You look to Jesus. You do what he says. And Jesus is very, very clear that he alone is Savior of the world. No one can get to the Father except through him, period. We see it clearly. And this bad theology that is being taught in churches today, I wish people would just speak the truth. Because I don't, yeah, you guys know what I think. What is beautiful <laughs> is that Jesus here what he has established in the early church, these people genuinely seeking him. Why? Because they know what is needed. They know what mission is set before them, and they know without his help, it ain't going to happen. So, we see his brothers there. Uh, Catholic Church also speaks of Mary being eternally a virgin. Um, but Jesus had brothers. Um, it just doesn't make sense. But we know, uh, we know his brothers from uh, the Gospels and different scriptures. But then there's also James and Judas, or Jude, uh, known for their books in the New Testament. Um, James became the leader of Jerusalem in the church, and that's not John the Baptist or John the Apostle's brother, James and John. This is the brother of Jesus. Um, he came to believe. He was uh, used mightily by the Lord. 
Um, and also we notice a change from John 7 verse 5 that for even his brothers did not believe in him. Okay, so there was a point in his ministry where they didn't even see it, but they came to faith in Christ, which uh, I think here gives us both a warning and an encouragement. If we read the Gospel of John in the first chapter, verse 13, it says we are not born or born again of blood, so a blood relationship. So it doesn't matter if mommy and daddy are believers, okay? God doesn't have grandchildren. He has children, okay? Nor of the will of the flesh, so there can't be no natural instinct of us or in us, nor of the will of man, so no human volition, but of God, you understand, he is Savior. <laughs> you can't save yourself. He's the one that saves us. So the birth of a child of God is not a natural birth. It's a supernatural work of God. Okay, That's how we are regenerated. That's how we are born again. And the encouragement then is this is hope for us all, isn't it? It is hope for all of mankind who previously rejected him. I love that. We need to take his warning serious, but also we find a great hope and encouragement for all mankind. And that's why we want to be also in that place of being born again from above, empowered with the Holy Spirit, that we can go and share that good news, right? So what we talked about last week, the baptism of the Spirit, guys, comes upon us for ministry. That's the purpose, to go, to proclaim the good news. Now, um, part of this section is a business meeting. This is something that is needed and practical in church life. Uh, I'll be very honest with you guys. As uh, a pastor, a leader uh, in the church for a long time, I hate church maintenance. I, I, wish, I wish we could just get over our pride, our sin, and just love Jesus together. But we're human beings, and there's times we've got to work through things, flesh things out, figure things out. It's just part of life. And these guys, um, they got a dilemma here. <laughs> Look in verse 18. They, they speak about uh, the, now this man, he purchased a field with wages of iniquity and falling headlong, burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out and it came or became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So everybody knew about this. So that the field is called in their language, Akaldama, that is field of blood. So I love that Luke records Judas' suicide pretty graphically. This is like CSI Jerusalem, okay? Um, and Augustine harmonizes this with the other hanging account, because we read about this in another one. We could say there's a contradiction going on. But Augustine said this, he hung himself and then he fell. You know, there's not a contradiction. That absolutely could have happened. Um, so in verse 20, Peter said the Holy Spirit or spoke or predicted through David, King David, the psalmist, hundreds and hundreds of years beforehand regarding Judas's death and replacement. For it is written in the book of Psalms, verse 20, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. So it's interesting the Holy Spirit guided him through prayerful reading of the scriptures. Because aren't these scriptures just out there? Peter, why would you pick those? They aren't that clear. But you guys understand why it's so important that we're students of the Bible. What does God want to reveal and speak and show us? If 
we don't take the time to diligently study and pray through pray through his word what are we missing because it's clear this is what god has but it had been so easy to overlook the psalms well we got to figure out what to do let's go to the major prophets Let's not read King David and his emotional songs. <laughs> no, God spoke through King David in his emotional songs. So many of the psalms are prophetic. So I love the order of what's taken place here. There was this continual devotion in prayer that came first, continually. It wasn't, hey, let's just get to pray and get together and pray once. Let's have one meeting. But this is something that was ongoing, a regular part of their life. And along with saturation of the scriptures, and then came the activity that God desired for his people. That is exactly the path to power that produced the earth-shaking activity of the apostolic church. Once Charles Spurgeon was showing some visitors his church building, beautiful, big, um, after visiting the large impressive auditorium, he said, come, and I will show you the heating apparatus. Expecting to see some dusty old room containing broken down furnace or possibly some clean recently installed unit, his guests were surprised when he took them to a room with more than 400 members kneeling in prayer. The power of the church came from the prayers of God's people. It always has and it always will. You guys look at church revival, something that spearheaded every single one of them. You can trace it back. There were groups of people praying, people praying. That's what did it. You want to see God move? Okay. It's going to be us praying. It's going to be us praying. So, and why is that? <laughs> Let's be honest. Why is that? Aren't we godly people? Don't we seek don't we pray? Don't we know? Can he just use us and do? We got to figure it out, right? We know how to do church. We've seen how they've messed up for 2,000 years. We finally got it figured out, right? It's the mindset of a lot of people. But then who gets the glory? Look what we're able to do for the kingdom of God. No. Because if you're in a place to pray, pray, you're in a place to humble yourself before God, fully depending upon him, seeing that need, that, yeah, prayer is an absolute need. And then who gets the glory? God gets the glory. You guys are familiar with D.L. Moody. He lived not far from here, just a few hours south in Chicago, one of the greatest evangelists we've ever had in our country. Here's a guy, average Joe, average preacher, preaching along, and something radically changed overnight. What happened? A group of ladies got together and started praying specifically for the ministry. When he preached, they were together praying. Before he preached, they were together praying. After he was preaching, they were together praying. That's what he goes back to and says that was the difference. That's when everything changes, when that group of ladies started praying. You see, as we consider... This passage here and the the need, okay? We we see what the scriptures said about Judas. We know that he portrayed Jesus. We need another apostle. There's supposed to be twelve of us. We we need to get another man in here. So whether your opinion is that Peter made the right decision or not, uh, to me it's irrelevant. 
Uh, the last time I taught through Acts with you guys, I thought it was relevant. I thought Peter blew it, and it was supposed to be the Apostle Paul, and he didn't wait on God, and if he was sensitive to God and waited on God, then he would have had it all together. I apologize. I don't know. That might be the case, but I'm before you today. I don't know. What I do know is I don't think it really matters a whole lot. It is what it is. Amen? So, <laughs> we don't know for sure. What I think is important is, is they went about it with the right process. That's, what's, that's what I see this time as I study through. Some say it was wrong because they limited God to just two men. Hey, God, it's either Barth, uh, Bartholomew, is it Bar, Bartholomew or Matthias. And then some would come and say, hey, um, you guys were just wrong because you chose Matthias and we never heard of the guy again. Like, where, where's his book in the Bible? Where's he spoken of? Where's his great acts here? We don't see him. Well, some would say that you're wrong because it was Paul that was supposed to fulfill the position. And some would say it was Peter being rash. Here he goes again. Well, I like that they take initiative here because they seek to hear the spirit on the matter. What are they doing for 10 days here, guys? They're taking initiative. They're going for it. Okay. So how they did it by, they went to the word. They saw the scriptures and then through prayer, they came to a conclusion. That's what we're to do. Are we always going to get it right? I wish we did, but we don't always get it right, guys. Are we willing to humble ourselves? All right, let's go back to the word. Let's commit to prayer. See what the Lord has. So his word is still a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. That's what I love about it. Because we have decisions all the time. Some of you guys might be in a season right now, there's some big decisions that you're making in life. Maybe there's a move, a change of job, this or that. Commit it to the Lord. Seek him through his word and pray. Honestly, I can look back. Every big decision I've ever made in life, there was confirmation through his word. It wasn't just, hey, here's my gut feeling. <laughs> God, God has brought confirmation and he brings it through his word. That's why we need to be in his word. So, um, so these guys... Never do we hear from uh, uh, Bartholomew or Matthias again after this. So Paul, what about Paul? Paul could never have fulfilled the position because he didn't meet the criteria that was laid out in verse 21 and 22, did he? Therefore, these men who have accompanied us all the time that the, Jesus, um, uh, the Lord Jesus went in and out from among them from the beginning of the baptism of John to the day when he was taken from us. Okay. Uh, Paul wasn't there. You know, who was Paul? He was Saul. He was a man who was actually persecuting the church, having Christians in prison and put to death until Jesus radically crashed into his life. And the thing that's really cool is Paul got ministered to one-on-one -on -one by Jesus for three years in the Arabia desert that's pretty awesome training for apostleship, you know. But when it comes to the 12, I don't know how this all looks. I know there's scriptural significance to it. 
You know, we could go back and say Peter was just being rash. It seems like 10 days of praise, worship, and supplication was enough, especially with 120 others there praying with, seeking the Father. Um, But they came and they picked Matthias. Uh, Besides, uh, if the wall of the New Jerusalem has 12 foundations and the name of the those 12 apostles are, are there. You can read about that in Revelation 21, verse 14. Whose name is going to be the, the, the 12th apostle? I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, last time I taught this, I told you guys it would be Paul for sure. It had to be Paul. I just don't know. I don't think it really matters. There's a significance there. I'm just glad that it's not going to be Judas, you know? Well, maybe it could be. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, if you think through all of this, you know, what was Matthias thinking? These are big shoes to fill, right? Okay, the lot's fallen on me to be the 12th apostle, you know? Great, I just got promoted into Judas's position, <laughs> Like, what a bummer! You know? That's how I'm going to be known. Or maybe he's on the other side of just like, wow, you know, I'm one of the apostles. This is awesome. Whatever. We never hear about Matthias again. Um, so the moment uh, that Virginia's unknown Confederate died. Uh, bears an inscription there's a monument sorry uh in virginia and it says this who they were none knows what they were all know i like that i like that honestly in 100 years from now if the lord would tarry that long are any of us going to be remembered or even known probably not you know but let me tell you what when i think about the saints who've gone before i know what they did I know there's fruit. I know in the Fox Valley here that there were churches preaching the gospel. I know there was a church that ministered to my mom that she dragged my butt to. <laughs> and because of that, because of the saints before, I know Jesus today. I don't know all their names. I don't know how that shakes out. Maybe a generation or two, but that's it. Not a hundred years ago. What did the Lord do? It's neat hearing little things here and there. Get a little glimpse of recent history. But I tell you what, there was a lot that God was doing here in the valley 100 years ago. And if he tarries, there's going to be a lot that he's doing 100 years from now, I believe. And it's going to be part of our efforts. But again, who's, who's getting the glory? It's all about him, guys. All we need to worry about are we being faithful to do what we know we need to do. So let's talk about casting these lots for a minute. Um, this was recognized way of asserting God's will. Okay, Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but it's ever, or every decision is from the Lord, which means that what is attributed to chance, fate, uh, luck, uh, coincidence is all determined by God. That's that's what it's saying. I love as Albert Einstein put it in objecting to uh, quantum theories, use of prob- uh, probability mathematics. He said this: God does not play dice with the universe. <laughs> okay, it's just not a chance. Let's see. Um, you guys are all familiar with the high priest that he had the urim and therm in the uh, breastplate of his 
or underneath the breastplate that he wore. Uh, that's Exodus 28, verse 30. Um, it talks about that, but it's the Alpha, the Tav, the Alpha, the Omega, lights and perfection. He pulled those out when there were decisions to be made. Most people think it was probably just a black and white stone that was used. Um, to discern what was going on. Other things they used would be little wood pieces, pebbles, pieces of pottery. They put wood pieces into a bottle with a very little neck, you know, and one would be for this, one would be for that. They'd fill it up with water, you know, and they pour it out, and whichever one came out first, that would be the will of God, <laughs> you know, that other things that were used like rolling dice. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the last time I see this ever used in the New Testament. Last time it's ever done. Okay? For it seemed to be a lower plane of spirituality, but the Holy Spirit was not yet given, was it? You see, the bonds of the Old Testament tradition still uh, understandably strong after Pentecost. Uh, the Holy Spirit would lead the apostles, right? By perception and insight. It was this Holy Spirit. Don't you guys pray that all the time? Holy Spirit, would you lead me <laughs> in this? Show me which way to go. Yeah, it's a little different, this side of Pentecost. So we're going to continue next week, guys, on history's most powerful prayer meeting. Um, until next week, if you're neglecting prayer, you're probably traveling too fast to hear the sound of God's voice. If you're neglecting prayer, you're probably traveling too fast to know whether you are in the center of God's will. And don't we have a tendency when life gets a little crazy? I need a decision now. I need to know now, God. And it's a bummer because we rush those prayers in those seasons because, hey, something needs to go happen right now. It's good to wait on the Lord. It's good to pray through and get a clear answer to where he's asking you. Um, yeah, so you better slow down. Or like the F-11 tiger, you're going to shoot yourself down. Amen? Let's stand. There's a lot in Acts chapter 2. A lot. You guys are going to find out in Acts chapter 2 why we do ministry the way we do it. Um, so I'd encourage you guys to read ahead. Study it out. Uh, study out, <laughs> man, um, the field that was purchased with blood money. I could preach into that for weeks, guys. There's a lot, a lot that is given to us in the scriptures. And I hope you guys are studying as we study through the book of Acts, that you're digging in deeper, going deeper. There's so much, and it really is neat to see all that Jesus Christ did and accomplished and what he did through his church and what he continues to do through his church. Um, I did youth ministry many, many years ago, and uh, I really wanted to call the youth group Acts 29. There's only 28 chapters in this book. But it's going to be so cool someday, guys, to hear all the things that the church has continued to do over the last 2,000 years since what we have recorded before us right now. It's awesome. 
And guys, we get a few highlights throughout church history, but God does so much. And I encourage you guys, ask each other about God's stories. You know, I, I feel privy because you guys share with me. You'll send me the email. I'll get the phone call. Pastor, you'll never guess what happened. I'm blessed to hear it. Keep sharing, but share with one another. I feel like I get spoiled. <laughs> we got to share, get together with other believers and ask, hey, what, what's God doing in your life? Share some God stories with me. There's so many and we need, we need to share because I believe it encourages and gives God glory because the God stories are about who? Him. And it's good to talk about him. You know, I mean, we can talk about Heal Marys for a while, but we've seen three of them. There might be three more. Whoop de doo. I mean, God stories don't even come close to some guy wearing tights, throwing a ball super high in the. Like, don't get me wrong, it's fun to watch, but <laughs> you guys get the point. You know, there's so many cool God stories, and I feel like so many people miss out on it because we just don't share. So share. Be exhorted to share. Amen? Amen. All right. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Lord bless you. Love you guys. Have a great week.